you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. My name is Chris Voss, and uh, I was brain bleeding before I came on the show, but there's more of it to come. So welcome to the big show, the show that makes you sexier, better looking, healthier, and whatever, as long as you you know do the things that these great authors come on and tell you that you should do. Uh, but don't listen to anything I say, because... Uh, You'll end up like me. We've all seen that movie, haven't we? You've been with me for 13 years, people. We love you. The family that uh, loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. Anyway, enough with that uh, business going on. Uh, tell the sh- <laughs> tell your friends. Just tell them outright. Shame them into subscribing to the Chris Voss Show on iTunes, uh, Goodreads.com, Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Chris Voss, and YouTube.com, Chris Voss. And I'm just kidding. Lightly shame them. Don't overly shame them. You know, don't like post pictures on of them on tiktok and go this person won't subscribe to the chris Voss show i'm not encouraging that in any way by saying don't do it wink wink anyway guys i'm just kidding around these are just jokes people that's what we do some we do info entertainment on the show um <laughs> some of it is questionable entertainment whether it's actually funny or not but the jokes are stupid so if you laugh at them that's on you man anyway guys we have an amazing author and brilliant business mind on the show uh, he uh, has several books that he has authored. He's a speaker. He does all sorts of stuff. We'll get into his bio here in a second. He's the author of his latest book, They Ask, You Author. And it's been revised and updated recently. It's called A uh, Revolutionary Approach to Inbound Sales Content Marketing and Today's Digital Consumer. Marcus Sheridan is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about his amazing experience insight brilliance we're going to talk a little bit about marketing and the uh chat gpt 4.0 i think it is that came out yesterday everyone's talking about it. it's the hottest thing i feel like i should probably start a new podcast just on ai chatbots or something i don't know anyway marcus sheridan he is called a web marketing guru by the new york times and the story of how marcus sheridan was able to save his swimming pool company river pools from the economic crash of 2008 has been featured in multiple books publications and stories around the world since his achievement sharon has become a highly sought after global speaker and consultant in the digital sales and marketing space working with hundreds of business and brands alike to become the most trusted voice in their industry welcome to the show marcus how are you Great to chat with you, Chris, as well as your audience. I'm sure we're going to have a good chat today. We're going to have a good chat today because if it was bad, it would suck. And then no one like it. So, that's But right. that's not something you and I do, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, give us the dot coms. Where do we want people to find you on the interwebs and stalk you? Well, it's, uh, you can stalk me at uh, MarcusSheridan.com, but I also have an agency. It's a consulting coaching company that helps folks become the most trusted voice in their space, and that's at ImpactPlus.com. Ah. Let me lead off with uh, what you just said. Why is it important to be the most trusted uh, person in your space? Well, you know, a lot of things these days with the rate of change, Chris, that 
they come and go, right? So if I said to you, is Facebook going to be fundamental to businesses in 20 years? You'd probably say, I doubt it, right? Because it's a platform. Uh-huh. But if I said, is trust going to be fundamental to business in 20 years? You'd say, of course, right? Of course. Mm. And that's because trust is a principle. It doesn't have a beginning. doesn't have an end. So we know long-term. So the businesses that build around, okay, how can we become the most trusted in our space? They're the ones that are going to be most equipped for whatever happens in the future. And the other thing about this too is, you know, we know this inherently, Chris, that we are vetting companies to death uh, before we buy today. In fact, the average buyer, and this is B2B and B2C, the average buyer is uh, roughly 80% through that sales or that buying journey before they reach out to a company today. And so, you know, 25 years ago when the internet's just getting started, that number's probably 20 percent today we're at 80 percent so the question is where is this number going to be over the next 5 10 15 years and so they're vetting us to death and if we don't give them what they want on the front end while they're vetting us to death before we've ever met them before we've ever shook their hand then we're going to lose them we're not going to gain that trust and that's what it's all about there you go trust for consumer brands uh you know i love that concept because working with my clients trust is an important factor and if i don't feel like they trust me i won't do business with them i I tried away somebody the other day um because they didn't feel like they respected our brand and they and they they really didn't have a trust it was it was more like how how much can we can we scrape and 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 uh renegotiate and steal from you and it just became apparent i'm like look you, you really don't respect what we do and you need to go down the highway but this is really true i mean i i was just on amazon this morning shopping for some new chili oil and uh, they're out of my brand of chili oil and i look at the reviews and of course i'm uh, with amazon there's a lot of fake reviews and bots reviews on there and so i usually go through and look at them and actually look at you know what what some of the real reviews are um, but to me, the ratings are important because that's a level of trust. That's a level of people validating uh, the trust level of that product and going, hey, I love this product. I buy it all the time. I love this, uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, same thing with movies. Uh, you know, I, I usually only go see a lot of movies that are, you know, they've won awards and stuff like that. Uh, I'm looking for high quality movies. And you're right. I think a lot of people, they, you know, I learned this a long time ago when I, from probably from Zig Ziglar. People do business with people they trust, right? That's right. The master zig. You know, we've, we've, we, we know that if you want to become the voice of trust in your space, to your point uh, there, Chris, you got to be willing to talk. You gotta, I'm going to give you three things. Three things that is overarching in terms of, in terms of trust. You got to be willing to talk about that, which others in your space are not willing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'll address that here in a second. You got to be willing to show, specifically through video, others in your space are not willing to show. That's number two. Number three, you got to be willing to sell in a way that others aren't willing to sell. So you got to talk about, you got to show, and you got to sell in a way that others in your space are not willing to do. Now, let's just break down the, the talk about, and this has a, applies a lot to video too. We know, and you just mentioned this, there's basically five subjects that we research, B2B, B2C, that we're obsessed with, that we want to know and understand before we reach out to a company, before we engage, mm-hmm. before we watch that movie or whatever that thing is, before we buy that thing on Amazon, before we hire that particular company. And those five things, those five subjects, what we call the big five in the book, okay? And those five subjects are, we want to understand how much is it, cost. Even if we can afford it, we want to understand price, variables, etc. So cost is number one. Number two, we, under, we want to understand what could go wrong with it? What are the negatives with it? What are the issues with it? How could this go wrong? This is also why we'll get to reviews in a second. We want to see not just positives, but negatives, because we want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. So cost is number one. Problems, we'll call it, is number two. 
Number three is comparisons. We love to compare stuff online. Think about all, how many times you've gone online and compared this thing versus that thing, this versus that. I and mean, we constantly compare online. Mm-hmm. Number four, reviews. We're obsessed with reviews, but we don't want to know just who's it for. We also want to know who's it not for. Very, very important for a great review. And finally, number five, best, best, most top. Think about how many times you've gone online and searched the phrase, the word best or a similar phrase to that. So mm-hmm. to repeat, cost, problems, comparisons, reviews, best. Now, here's what's fascinating, Chris. Those are the big five. That's what buyers, consumers are obsessed with in terms of their research. And yet most companies do not want to talk about these things on their website. Wow. So that creates a paradox of once. And so many companies are like the ostrich with their head in the sand. They're just refusing to talk about it. And of course, it's not going to go away. The question's not going to go away. The fear's not going to go away. The problem's not going to go away. And so we may as well address it head on. There you go. Do people do people in business are they are they worried that if they try and develop a principle of trust or stand on a, a certain uh, uh, morals or or a trustworthy sort of um, words that I'm looking for is not coming to mind, but you know basically you know what if we put out what what, what we think we're about and we don't live up to that standard or we fail at that like. Uh, a good example was Google saying that they had for so many years that was like do no evil. Or something like that, I think it was. And they, they finally retracted using that because they were clearly up to evil. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's true. Don't sue me, Google. Well, I, I, I think there is... Um, what I most often see, Chris, is we tend to not want to break the, quote, rules of our industry. And so we see what everybody else is doing, and mm. we say, that, that must be the way. And so what that leads to is most of us act almost as rule followers, but that's not a good place to be because it means you're reactive. It means you're always doing what others others are doing. Instead of that, you want to become a rule breaker. Uh, a rule breaker does that which others in their space haven't done before, right? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter that your mommy or your daddy didn't do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it this way because that's what the marketplace is asking for. And what's so fascinating is the rule breaker eventually becomes the rule maker. But what we've seen over the course of history too, Chris, is the rule breaker becomes the rule maker, but then they start to lead. And because they start to lead, they stop breaking the rules. And then eventually someone else comes in and becomes a rule breaker. And then the one that was the breaker and the maker becomes the follower. And that's the circle of life in business. You know, have we kind of seen that with Facebook? Facebook's probably a good example of that. They kind of led the market and <clears throat> seemed to break in or made a lot of the new rules, but they've they've broken a lot of trust over the years, and now we're seeing them on the decline and the rise of you know different platforms that seem to be trusted more, like TikTok, which is ironic yeah, because of the yeah, Chinese yeah, sort yeah, of thing. yeah. That's a that's a talk about trust. Um, there's no question that they have a trust problem. I think the most iconic example is it has to do with a famous quote that people say all the time, which I think is actually one of the dumbest quotes in the history of Earth, but yet it's quoted all the time. And it's the classic Henry Ford quote of, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. Now, that was, of course, (laughs) referring to the Model T. And that mindset is what got Ford from being the clear leader of the marketplace to being surpassed by their competitors because they said, you know, we're so cocky and arrogant. We're just going to give you one color. The marketplace wanted something different, right? So originally they broke the rules because mm-hmm. they were able to establish the assembly line and they did all these things different. And everybody said, oh, you can't do that. And they became Ford. But then they got cocky 
and that's the circle of life, right? And so that's yeah. the most famous one. I always, always laugh about how people celebrate that freaking quote by Henry Ford. I'm like, that's the worst quote of all time. Yeah, I think it was. I, I think I remember, there's a lot of examples of this in the business world. I mean, there was Kodak who, oh, who gosh, you know, yes. made all the money on films, and I believe it was early on they developed digital photography, and everyone's like, "This is going to eat our lunch," you know. That's right. Uh, you got my, Blockbuster with Netflix that could have bought yeah. them, and they said, "You know, this is never going to be a thing." I mean, it just goes yeah. on and on and on. You see these people yeah. just refuse to replace themselves. When you get in this mindset of you're not going to replace yourself, you are screwed as a business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing I learned in my companies is, is I would ha constantly have to go relook at, there's always a way to make things better. There's always a way, 100%. whatever you think you made it better. There's always a way to make it better. And going back and look at systems and applications and stuff and go, who, who, who made this? And they'd be like, well, you made it. And I'd be like, well, there's a better way to design the system and, you know, constantly innovating and, and re-innovating and putting that demand on yourself. A good example of someone who uh, avoided the pitfalls of what we mentioned, Henry Ford and stuff was like Apple. When they came out with the iPad, they knew it was going, and, and the iPhone, they, pro they knew it was going to uh, eat their lunch when it came to uh, Mac sales of computers. And they adopted it anyway and said, what, you know, we're just going to have to go for it. And, and you know, this is, it's bigger sales than their Macs. Um, let's talk about some other aspects that you tease out in your book so we can get uh, that teased out as well. Um, how to turn your web presence into a magnet for qualified buyers. Uh, can you tease out some tips on how to pull that off? Yeah, I mean, it really, it does start uh, with those big five subjects. And so the simple way that you could apply that too is, would you, if, if, if you have a business, you're in business, you've heard so many questions. I want you to brainstorm every question you've ever received about your product or your service. And just literally just like brainstorm them, write them down. And then I want you to ask yourself a really honest question. How many of these have we truly addressed and addressed well on our website through text, through video, et cetera? What you're going to find, if you're being very honest, if you worked very hard to do the brainstorm. By the way, you should come up with at least 100 questions. If you didn't come up with 100 questions, you're being very intellectually lazy or mm. you just don't know your buyer, right? What if what if the questions are like the ones I get on the show? Like, why are you such an idiot, Chris Voss? <laughs> well, that's pretty much you know, all of them. Then, uh, yeah, th that's a tougher one to overcome there, Chris. That's a tougher one to overcome. But you're, you're doing something right because you, 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 you can't do it as long as you've been doing as many as you've been doing this and, 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 uh, and be an idiot. So with that, with I that, didn't need that validated, Marcus, but thank you. <laughs> with that, with that being said, with that being said, uh, the brainstorm's powerful. Do an audit. How many of these have we really addressed well? You're going to find that at least eighty to ninety percent you haven't addressed well, and some mm. of them are the most common questions you get when you have that first conversation with the prospect. And so. Then that should give you, okay, here's a clear editorial calendar. Here's the content we should be producing on social, on our website, on the YouTube, whatever the thing is, if we're going to earn that trust, if we're going to become that voice of trust. All right. So that's, I would say far and away, that's, that's one of the most fundamental. Nobody really does that very well. And uh, no, I shouldn't say nobody, but uh, 90 plus percent don't do it well at all. Wow. Wow. It, it's, you know, and so whether you're a big company or a small company, this is really important to do, to take and look at, at uh, constantly reinventing yourself, remodeling your business. Uh, you know, I was just reading, I, I, I was surprised by this. It, it came across my newsfeed and it was a picture. You remember the old Mavericks that Ford made? There were these ugly little cars mm -hmm. that uh, were kind of designed to be little and gas, gas better, but they were, they were definitely ugly. 
And uh, I remember them coming out. I think it was in the 80s or 70s. Um, but I, I remember seeing this thing came across my news. I think it was yesterday. And it was a picture of all these Mavericks in a salt mine. Or a, it was a salt mine or an underground mine somewhere in Detroit or uh, I think another place. Um, and, I, and it was like, hey, man, no one's told the story. It was like a story that had kind of been buried. And I guess the Maverick was so bad and so poor for sales because it was so ugly. Um, they actually had to store uh, thousands of the cars for like two to three years just to be able to sell out their inventory of them. And they stored them underground in these like, you know, uh, temperature controlled salt mines where they wouldn't. I don't know if it was a salt mine, but it was it was an underground sort of storage area that would keep them, you know, so they wouldn't rust and they wouldn't you know go through whatever. But it took them two to three years to sell that car because it was so awful. And that was, and they kind of used that to hide the cars, you know, they weren't sitting on lots. Forever. Really funny. And it was, it was really interesting to me how, how, how bad that was. And one example of that is um, one thing you do talk about your book is of course, marketing and content marketing in today's digital world. Uh, yesterday they released the new chat GPT 4.0. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll probably be next year a robot explaining what that is and taking over the show. Uh, and I won't be here. I'll be relegated to, I don't know, uh, some sort of Terminator basement uh, living <laughs> under the urban community that you see in the movies um but uh until then uh th let's talk about chat gpt and what, yeah. what are some of your thoughts on that content marketing well i mean you know certainly for the content world it is a game changer um it's going to affect a lot of people mm -hmm. um because i work with so many different marketing departments around the world i've already had people telling me things like let me give you an example of, of things i've heard chris i had this one manager come to me and say you know marcus i've got this writer who is is good at, at at researching the facts and coming up with a you know a decently written piece of content but you know their content doesn't have much soul it doesn't have really that that tone that really represents our brand very well as a writer and we've got to edit it do you think i should fire the person and just use chat gpt instead wow. now that was a really interesting question because the answer to that chris if i'm being honest mm -hmm. is probably so because what ChatGPT does well, it answers questions well in the way that you do it, especially if you're using 4.0, if you're using the paid service like I do. Like mm -hmm. It will do a lot of things and will do that very well. Here's what it doesn't do well. It doesn't tell your customer experiences or stories well. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily do well, and you got to prompt it a lot, but it doesn't necessarily do well to humanize the way you sound. And let me give you an example of that. If I'm writing an article, if I ask ChatGPT, could you write an article on how much does an in-ground swimming pool cost? It could do that just fine. It could do it mm -hmm. for 1,500 words. Now, what it's not going to do, it's not going to sound like this. And let's assume this is the first paragraph to the piece of content that we're writing. First paragraph might sound like this. So if you're looking for a pool right now, surely you're asking yourself, all right, be honest, how much is this thing really going to cost me? Like, how much am I actually going to spend? Well, in this article here, what we're going to do is we're going to explain to you all the factors that drive the cost of an in-ground swimming pool. We're going to talk about what drives it up, what drives it down, experiences we've had with customers in the past, what they spent, and by the end, hopefully, you'll have a great sense as to what it's going to cost you. Now, that is how you sound human online, and ChatGPT does not do that well 
yet. And so if you're going to be producing content and standing out, you better sound like that instead of sounding like I could have had a machine produce the thing. So let me ask you this, because this is an important tie into like what we've talked about on the show here so far and your book. Um, are, is, is trust going to be a big factor in the future between, <clears throat> you know, like when, when people see what I write, maybe on Facebook or, or, you know, wherever I write something on the chrisvossshow.com, we do reviews, things like that. Are, are people going to start, is there going to become a premium on, is this a human content or is this not? And I'll, I'll give you a follow-up example. I know that I'm kind of lengthening this question, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway because fuck it. Um, like when I wrote my book, like people uh, trying to find somebody who could write in my voice or could edit in my voice and and keep my voice uh, in, in the book was important because I had a few editors that sent me what they edited. And I'm like, that doesn't yeah. sound anything like me. Yeah. Yeah, and my audience knows how what an idiot I am. Clearly, as we mentioned before, and so there's a certain aspect of people like that. They like the human nature of it. Uh, there's a human nature to when you call somebody now and talk to them. They're like, "Holy shit, I'm talking to a human being instead of just texting." Uh, this is really weird. There's almost like a novelty to it. So is that is that really what we're going to become? Where maybe people are going to learn to decipher between Chat GPT, AI bots, and real humans, and there's going to become a premium on that? No, I don't think so. Oh wow! Uh, in fact, in fact, what I think is is already happening is um, so right now. You you know, you take my book. They ask you answer. I could take any chapter. I could input it into ChatGPT, and I could say, I want you to start writing exactly to the voice and style of what I'm inputting right here, and it could it can match that quite decently. I mean, it's pretty dang good right now. And so I don't think we're going to be able to tell in the future. I think for a short period of time, Chris, we're probably going to be able to tell. Uh, oh. But there's already a whole lot of content. And I'm not talking about just the written word here, brother. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a lot of visual too. I think there's going to be entire movies created with AI and we will not have known. Just like there's been a lot of things that have happened with movies that were AI that we didn't no. I mean, just let's look at it for a second. How many times have you watched a movie that had a green screen and the person had no idea it was green screen was being used? Yeah. That happens all the time. All the mm -hmm. time. And that's freaking just a green screen, right? And so the point is that we're going to constantly, like, it's going to, it's all going to mesh together for the most part. We're not going to be able to tell the difference, especially if the person is good at using the AI. Is that going to be different? Uh, let me play devil's advocate with that. Please though. do. Um, is that going to be different, though? Because like with movies, we go, we kind of go there for fantasy. We go there to suspend animation reality for the most part. We know it's acting. Um, I mean, there's I'm there may be people that, you know, I spent maybe younger generation. You know, I can tell. A lot of times, and not all the time, the difference between green screen. But is the difference, though, be, be, that I mean, because we're seeing that as act as entertainment, and we we make it we make a choice to suspend reality. When I look at Amazon uh, reviews, I can tell the bots. Like I've had, I've had people that have more reviews than Chris Voss show, and they have like thirty episodes on their on their podcast, yeah. and I can go clearly it's really easy to figure out that they hired one of these bot companies that is always hitting you up on LinkedIn to go make fake uh, 
the comments on their on their podcast. I can tell the difference. But maybe maybe most people aren't that savvy. I don't know. But that also assumes that the bots aren't going to get better at sounding no, very true. human with the reviews that they do. Because truth is, there were probably some bot reviews that you have read that you weren't sure. Mm -hmm. Others that you read that were bot and you mm -hmm. thought they were human. And then a bunch of others that sucked, right? And you're like, I mean, it's a bot. Yeah. And so all these things are only going to get better. Now, listen, it, it, this is not very exciting to me. Like, mm -hmm. I don't celebrate this stuff. Yeah. Like, I think there's nothing better than like the human element. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But I'm also an extreme realist because I learned a, a, a long time ago that the marketplace doesn't really care about my feelings. They it, don't? It, yeah, it's just crazy how that works, right? They also don't really care about my personal opinions. Like, I might say, well, I don't really like that. Yeah, but does it matter to the marketplace? Marketplace is going to do what the marketplace does, right? It's no different than somebody says, well, let's say there's a service-based business. And they say, I don't really want to talk about cost and price on my website because I just want to wait till I'm having a conversation with them. That's fine, but it just pisses people off if you don't do it and they end up leaving you. And oftentimes, you're going to convert way more like scientifically way more if you are willing to at least address the subject to a degree on your website. We know that because we have all the data. Yet people all the time say, that's just not the way that I want to do it. In my mindset as, a, as somebody that's now in a business for you know, 23 years, roughly, it's mm -hmm. like, Marcus, you got to let your opinions go and you got to focus on what is the marketplace? What does it want? What is it asking for? And the more we do that, the better off generally we are. All right. Well, I'm going to go have a good cry that the marketplace doesn't care about my feelings. And then I'll uh, probably feel better tomorrow and uh, I'll get on with it. That's right. It's a healthy, <laughs> it's a healthy activity. There. <clears throat> in a world that we live in of emotionalism, I don't know. It seems like everything is trying to be about people's feelings and their feels. Feels over reels. It seems to be the nature of what we're doing now. Uh, uh, there's so much there that that's at least the a three-hour podcast if not on, yeah, you know 10, on the 20. on the problem with feelings it's like geez, yeah. my <laughs> i i you know i get i get like this heart-centric leadership and other things that get thrown at me and i'm like whatever man i know i don't i mean yeah i mean you care about people but i mean i'm not i don't want to sit there and be a bleeding heart leader um well what's I, interesting I, about that chris a lot of people that write those books have never actually had employees uh, that's what's so interesting, uh, you know, about it. You know, it's like you, you you say you say this, but have you ever actually done it? You know, and uh, this is not a. Let me give you an example, and it's not a knock on Simon Sinek, but let me just give you an example. He wrote the famous book Start with Why. Everybody mm -hmm. knows it. Let me tell you what. Let's say you go present to an old school sales team a CRM and say, listen. I expect everybody to start using the CRM. Here's why you're going to use the CRM. Here's why it matters so much. Guess what? 90% still ain't going to do it, and you started with all the why. They won't do it until you say, and oh, by the way, you won't get paid unless you enter the data into the CRM. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to do it. There's no start with why. The why is, if I don't do this, I ain't going to get paid. <laughs> so the point is, the point is, and I'm not, again, that's not a knock on the author, okay? Yeah. The, re the reality is it's like a lot of the subjects we talk about are, are nice twos, but they don't really live in reality of human psychology. Yeah. And there's a lot of reverse, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Peters and, and he shaped a lot of my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But about half of his stuff was great and the other half about bankruptcy. 
Um, and, and there's a lot of reverse engineering that authors do when they look at, I mean, even myself, when they look at business and they try to deconstruct what made Facebook successful or, you know, whatever the hell is, uh, you know, one of his big principles was, was, uh, if you trust people implicitly with very powerful stuff, they will do a really good job. So, uh, you know, he used an example of like nuclear physicists and people who run, who work at nuclear plants. And if you trust them well enough, they'll do their job. No, they just probably don't want to die in a meltdown and, uh, see their families in the morning. And, and it turns out giving people implicit trust Eh, probably it doesn't always work. You know, when you've had thousands of employees, like you and I probably have, um, you, you can't just wear your heart on a sleeve. Dude, if you, if you go meet with 100 small business owners mm. and you say to them, how many of you have had an employee steal or embezzle from you since you've uh, been in business? You're going to see at least 25% of the room raise their hand yeah. at a bare minimum. I can write four bare, books on that. That's exactly right. So, so when you actually live the life Instead yeah. of writing about it, yeah, it's a very, very different game. And it's like, you no, know, no, you you should not trust implicitly because then otherwise you're you're going to get burned. Now, the the idea is to find people you can trust and yes, empower your people a hundred percent. But trusting implicitly in business oftentimes is a road to disaster. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna feel some pain there. I, I there was one time where I probably had about five books in me from all the employee stories I had. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, tuning into business, you talk in the book about um, how to achieve a buy-in at your company uh, with uh, embracing content, uh, culture yeah. content, and video. Let's touch on that a little bit. Well, people don't like change. They just don't like it. Really? And um, yeah, you know how it is. And what's interesting too, you know, about it is the way that I wrote They Ask You Answer, it was a, a pure, it's meant to be a mirror that forces you to see how you have evolved as a, as a buyer. And what happens to me all the time is, you know, people will hear me speak, and you, I'm sure you've dealt with this, Chris. They'll hear me speak, and they'll say, oh, Marcus, I'm so excited about this. I want to do They Ask You Answer. And they run, and they try to tell their team, hey, y'all, we need to be addressing all these questions, and we got to be more transparent. we got to be more honest. And everybody's like... No, nah, I'm not really, really feeling that. That's because you can be a prophet to the world, but nobody's going to listen to you in your hometown. It's the same reason why I can go into that company as an outside source and teach a workshop. And they're like, wow, this was great. We should do this. And the CMO, the marketing person is like, what the heck are you talking about? I've been saying this for five years. It's the same thing. I tell my kids something. They don't really care. But if their friends tell them, they're like, hey, dad, I got this thing. I'm like, I told you that like seven times already. This, yeah. is, the, this is like as human as it gets. So you got to be really, really careful when you're trying to get buying from something. People tell me all the time, what should I do? And as an author, you could appreciate this one, Chris. I tell people, listen, do not give your boss your opinion on all the things you just heard from me. Go to your boss and said, say, would you be willing to read this book? As my manager, would you be willing to read this book and have a discussion with me about it? Any manager worth their salt, any boss worth their salt is going to say, yeah, because that's a, that's an unusual proposition. Mm -hmm. And then when they say yes, you say, great, can we have a discussion about it when you're done? That's it. That's it. That's how you get buy-in from leadership. Mm -hmm. then then you have to start to teach the team, okay, here's the impact, here's what it's going to be, the what, the how, the when, the where, the why, here's what your role is going to be, the impact on you individually, the impact on you collectively. And even after all that, even after all that, leader still got to lead. Leader mm -hmm. got to say, and this is how we're going to roll. So how do you buy in if you're, the, if you're the boss and you're the leader and you want your employees to do it? Do you have them read the book first too as well? Well, uh, generally speaking, 
we want them to see the trends mm-hmm. and analyze themselves. How are you, in this case, changing as a buyer? What do you mm-hmm. expect? Are our customers really any different? The answer mm-hmm. is no, they're not different. In terms of the way we've evolved online, the fact that we're more impatient, the fact that we're vetting companies to death, the fact that we really demand to have things, we want to get those answers. We don't want to talk to a salesperson until we're good and ready. You know, there's a recent stat that came out, Chris, really interesting. 33% of all buyers say they would prefer to have a seller-free sales experience, right? Mm-hmm. And for millennials, that number is 44%. And so this is one of those things, again, it's like all these trends that we're seeing, it's critical that the team knows, accepts them to be true. And once they accept them to be true, starting to live in the solution versus saying, well, I'm not sure if we can deal with, no, no, no. We're going to live in the solution. How are we going to solve this problem? We can't ignore the thing. We can't be the ostrich with our head in the sand, right? We can't be uh, left behind like happens with so many stinking companies in our space. So those are just some of the ways we do it. We always suggest some type of starting, you know, training, workshop, fireside, whatever that thing is that that helps your team truly understand the what, the how, the when, the where, the why, the whole nine. And then, though, you've got to actually do the thing without excuse. There you go. You know, you, you bring up a good point. And, and uh, let me, let, I'm going to set aside the question I have for the audience. And then uh, I, I want to touch on just what you said. Is How important is it for the uh, team to understand the who, what, or where, where, and why instead of just barking commands like I do? <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is where to me, you know, it's similar to what our so what we talked about earlier. I am um I'm of the of the opinion that there needs to be a singular chef in the kitchen that's ultimately making the call that it should not be full democracy on the menu, mm-hmm. but yet input is uh celebrated. Right? And and that's that's the that's the general feel. If we, for example, don't have the hearts of the team in the initiative, there's a good chance that they're just not going to give it their all. They might yeah. just go through the numbers, right? To go through the motions, but they're mm-hmm. not going to really put their heart and soul into the thing and add to it, mm-hmm. like ideate and, and come up with even greater ideas than the thing that you even presented them with. This is, this is why also, though, I think part of a great leader is to induce self-discovery in their team anyway. That if you're really, really great at communicating, you don't have to tell your team exactly what to do. If you ask the right questions, they're going to say what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. The key is just making them think enough to say, you know, here's what we have to do. The best leaders make the teams think. And by making them think and asking the hard questions, they start to live in the solution and they start to come up with the ideas that the leader, him or herself, could have said, but instead wanted to make sure that the team owned it as well. So basically the thing I've been doing where I just point out what's wrong with them instead of letting them self-discover it, it maybe that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, that sometimes has uh, diminishing returns, but uh, we all have our own journey there, Chris, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm on one, but I'm going to take your advice from your book and what you're teaching me here to go on my own self-discovery to learn what an idiot I am. That seems to be a callback joke so far in this, this show, uh, that I'm an idiot, but I mean we've all been there right or, or we've all been there making me aware that i'm never mind it's all about me i don't know what the idiot is talking about today uh we, you know one thing you talked you mentioned earlier that i want to come back to that i'd set aside um oh my i need to know that i didn't forget it but you you talked about how 
uh, people should approach the sales and marketing process for how would I personally want to be marketed yeah. to. Um, uh, referencing Tom Peters, uh, I guess he needs he owes me a check at this point. Um, there was a there was an interesting story. I think it came from him. Uh, so my bad if it if it wasn't from him. There's an old story of a it was a it was a TV dinner company. I don't know banquet or or one of those ones, but they, they made TV dinners, mm-hmm. and they couldn't figure out why their sales suddenly started declining. And they're like, well, why are sales going the tube? And the CEO made the decision that they were going to start serving at the board meetings of the company. They were going to start serving the TV dinners instead of, you know, whatever they were having buffet (laughs) shipped in for the thing. This is getting interesting. And yeah, within about five minutes of eating their own TV dinners, they were wondering why the sales had dropped. They realized why the sales dropped because they were awful. They tasted awful and they just, they just look bad and you know, just the whole thing of a, of a TV dinner. If you've ever had one of those when you were in college. Um, and so, uh, that was their awakening and they realized that being forced to eat their own dog food every day, if you will, um, that, uh, they realized it wasn't as good. So they improved the quality of the food and sales improved. And so, you know, you can kind of feel that when you get on customer service calls where, you know, the cable company is probably a good famous one we can kick around. You call the cable company and you can tell that that poor agent is kind of locked in and what they have to deal with and what they have to serve. And if they had to serve you, they'd probably do it differently. And, and you can, you kind of get that feeling sometimes when I deal with people at lower levels of customer service and you can tell there's some sort of tier there, you know, you have to ask for a manager sometimes to go full Karen on something, but, uh, you know, that's, that's something more people should ask, you know, like, are we marketing the way that we would want to be marketed to? Yeah. It's the golden rule of marketing, right? It's, 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 uh, do unto others, Mm -hmm. market unto others as Mm -hmm. you would want them to. Uh, market unto you, mm-hmm. uh, communicate with others as you would want them to communicate with you, message others as you'd want them to message with you. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to be honest. We want people to be frank. And let me give you an example of that, a classic one that, that, you know, pretty much uh, of those listening to this, maybe one out of thousands are going to say, yeah, I've already done that, Marcus. And that is everybody listening to this. You should have a section of your website, a page of your website that talks about who you're not a good fit for. Mm. it's very, very powerful. And it has a very strong influence on a prospect because the moment you're willing to say what you're not is the moment you become dramatically more attractive to who you are a good fit for. But how many people do that? Almost everybody just says, this is why we're awesome. But that's not what's so attractive from a psychological basis. And so when we say really message them, talk to them as you yourself would want to be treated, you want someone to tell you, listen, here's, here's who this is for. But at the same time, if you're this, this, and this, this ain't a good fit for you. There you go. I mean, we get hundreds of people that apply to the Chris Foss Show podcast. And we, we appreciate that. Um, but there's a lot that aren't a fit for the show. And yep. a lot of times we just don't reply because it's, it's too massive. But, um, you know, some people are insistent and they tell us they love the show or they bought my book. And I'm like, and so I'll write it back and I'll say, you know, if you send me a book, I'll autograph you. But what you're pitching just doesn't fit the format of the show. And, um, and there's there's certain people we don't want on the show. We you know we have Simon Schuster and big deals with all the all the big publishers who send us the brilliant authors on the show. And th- every now and then there's somebody who's really toxic in the public eye, and they're very toxic people, usually politicians. That we we just say no, and uh, but for the most part we take 
a lot of people, but we, we like really high profile people on the show because it gives us good SEO and stuff. But you give me a good thing. I just wrote this down in my notes here. Uh, make a page on who's uh, not good to have on the show, who shouldn't be on the show, or we don't like on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who we're not a good fit for. Yeah. And it, it, go, it goes back to, you know, I'll sometimes I'm, I'm speaking to a particular industry and somebody will say to me, yeah, our internet leads aren't very good. I'm like, no, nah, actually, your leads are as good or as bad as the messaging that brought them there. Oh. Right? And so if if leads have a quality problem, it is purely a messaging problem. That's root cause. Uh -huh. Root cause is always almost messaging. They should have put this in Glen, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross when Don Lemon <laughs> Don Lemon. No. Who's the Lemon? Uh, anyway, um, yeah, they should have put that in the movie. It's not it's not the leads are bad. So they have bad messaging. You know, <laughs> That's exactly right. Alex Baldwin pulls the uh, brass balls out of the thing. Uh, ABC always be closing as long as the leads have good message. But that brings a good point because you know you constantly have to dial in your messaging. Uh, I've had times where we've with our advertising, you know, just changing a line or two, it's crazy. all of a sudden something will explode, and you're just like, really? it's crazy. Yeah, it's the psychology that split testing and all those things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, big deal. Speaking of books and all, I think one of the best on website general just website messaging is Story Brand, Donald really? Miller, just a world world class book. On you know what's what's interesting, and this is a fun little test anybody can do with their website right now uh is who's the hero of your homepage? uh quick activity and what you well, all you have to do is this count how many times you use the pronouns we our versus you your on your mm -hmm. homepage okay and so what most companies have on their homepage is 80 20 80 percent of the pronouns they use are we our 20 percent are you your whereas if you want to make the visitor, the prospect, your hero. It should mm -hmm. be the other way around, because it should all be should all be about you. Your, so in other words, you the visitor. You mm -hmm. have this problem. You have this need. You have this question. It ain't all about us. If they want to read all about you, they go to your about page. But generally speaking, for most businesses around the world, ninety nine percent, it should be an eighty twenty split, and it should be you your as the eighty percent. Wow. You know, a lot of people do that. The about page is a grandstanding page. Oh, we've been in business for 40 years and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we, we crap gold bricks and, you know, we're <laughs> just whatever. But, you know, um, I want, in fact, I need to look at our, you're giving me a lot of data here. I'm making a lot of notes here that I can go look at my stuff. Um, but no, that's, that's brilliant. Um, because again, you know, are you customer centric or are you self egocentric where you're, you know, you're lording around about your business and, 100%. uh, you know, who's the hero? That's, that's why you gotta really... ask yourself, who's the hero? Who's the hero? Who's it's, it's no different than, you know, they have found in sales calls, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, you know, Gong has done a bunch of studies because they've got this incredible you know, call recording software. And they have found that if you mention your company name more than six times on the sales call, closing rates go down by, I think it's roughly 20% really? because each additional time you mention your company name, it's it's all about us. It's all about us. It's all about us. Mm -hmm. And so you know, this is amazing how literally you can you can take the same application from a marketing perspective with your website. You can apply it to what is a sales call, and it's again it goes back to psychology and messaging. Yeah, and it probably should be pointed out that 
if even though if your messaging is customer centric, you've got to walk the walk and talk the talk. Like right. we've all we've all been on those cable company calls where they go, "We care about you." We're playing the same 30-second music loop from the 80s over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you'll listen to that for the next half an hour. But we're going to tell you how much we care about your call and how important it is to us while you wait for 30 minutes to 60. <laughs> so, you know, there's the other side of that, too, as well, if, they, if people fall through about be, trying to be customer-centric. But, no, that makes sense. I mean, I read a lot of about pages and, uh, you know, usually when we interview somebody or we have a company interview or CEO interview, we'll use like their about me page or something. Uh, we'll probably use yours when, uh, for the book on the, uh, webpage. And so, um, you know, I, I've, I've read a lot of them and yeah, a lot of them are me, 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 not, I'm not saying yours yeah. is, and uh, I would start, like I said, start with the homepage. That's mm -hmm. the most critical one. Mm -hmm. Even just your, your, your headline, the headline on a homepage. So fascinating. The majority of businesses, the headline has to do with the business itself, mm -hmm. you know, versus the visitor. And mm. so you want to have the headline about them. Subheadline is about them again. It just keeps going in that direction. So the homepage is the most important. This is where you want to do that test. Mm. And, you know, I mean, the lead-in for the Chris Voss show talks about, you know, the brilliant authors, the people we have on the show. It's always interesting to me because I'll be, uh, you know, somebody will come and tell me about how they like the show, the podcast. And and I'll be like, oh, that's great, man. Uh, you know, what was an author you loved or someone we had on the show? And they go, well, we like you. You're really funny. <laughs> and I'm like, and and to me, I really have a hard time with it because I love the guests we have on our show. I, I love the brilliance, the the intelligence. Uh, I mean, I'm clearly out of it after 13 years of brilliance and intelligence. I mean, I don't know. I think I blew through it in the first episode. And uh, I'm just not that impressed with me or I like the funny every now and then. And and we do good jokes. But to me, the juice for me is the is sitting front row with brilliant people like yourself and talking about these issues and, and hopefully coming up with good questions. But to me, the guest is really the feature of the show for me. But a lot of people say they like me, and I, I have no idea why. I'm, I'm maybe I'm just sick of me. But it, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. My my whole thing is bringing great guests on the show and featuring them, and and just loving the data and knowledge that they bring. That I certainly couldn't sit here and do it for half an hour every day. Um, but you know what's <laughs> interesting about that? I was thinking about when you when you were saying that, Chris. Is yeah. and and I think every business. This goes back to knowing who you are, knowing what you're not. I always say the happiest day in the life of the business isn't when they figure out who they are. It's when they know who they're not because that's when they can say no to someone. <laughs> and um, you, you know, just like I do, that you have a particular style. Now, your style really resonates with certain people. And other folks might not so much. So you had to make a choice early on. Am I going to water down my style and therefore not really attract those people that are naturally aligned with my vibe or am I just going to make it lukewarm across the board and hopefully everybody will like me. And that would have served you terribly, right? If you yeah. had done that, you made the decision, I'm going to alienate a certain group of potential listeners so as to become dramatically more attractive to another group, the group that aligns <laughs> with my vibe. That explains why five people listen to the show. Exactly. Exactly. But those five <laughs> freaking love you, dude. Yeah, right? They do. Right? They love you. It's and it's mostly my mom content, and my stepmom. Messaging. That's yeah, I mean, it's all, but it's all the same. It's like you got you to gotta be willing to let go of a certain percentage of your audience. <laughs> so to attract the rest. 
That's true. I mean, you you have to do the thing, but it, it's it's interesting to me. To me, I I approach the show. I think what I'm trying to say is I approach the show as more customer centric. You know, my audience. Hey, here's somebody brilliant. Here's what they can learn. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's where we try and develop the comedy and the and the uh, questions. And hopefully, I come up with good questions. But uh, you know, we have this discussion. But but to me, that's the real central form of it. I mean, I'm all about the guests on the show. But and maybe that's I don't, I don't know whatever makes people fucking happy run with it people uh, that's all I have to say about that anything more we want to tease out you and I could talk for hours about this market Marcus has been wonderful to have you on uh, anything more you want to tease out of the book or what you do speaking and consulting and all that good stuff yeah well you know I would I would just say you know in terms of the book make sure you get it again so they ask you answer uh, if you apply it's going to change your life mm -hmm. um, and you probably find uh, you'll have more action items slash ideas slash takeaways than arguably any book you've ever read in that genre mm -hmm. of, of marketing, website, etc. So check it out. One little, just last little tip that I would say is, is, you know, people oftentimes say, so where should, where should, you know, tell me what, like what platform should I be focusing it on? And like, and I've heard some really crappy advice out there. And one of the advices that I've heard that drives me insane, Chris is uh, be everywhere which I think is just about the stupid advice, stupidest advice of all time because who in the heck can be everywhere unless you've got a team that's like really big and allows you to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to if you tried to be a jack of all trades, you'll be a master of none. Yes. So if you tried to be a jack of all social media trades, you'll probably be a master of none. What if you're a jackass of all trades? That's well, then, my then, 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 then you've got something. <laughs> you're cooking with gas, brother. So choose your lane and dominate that lane and then add more lanes. But don't don't try to be everywhere. Yeah, that, that ain't going to work, y'all. Yeah, you can't put freeways over everywhere. No, <laughs> that's a good it. analogy can't for over subdivisions so this has been really insightful marcus it's been wonderful to have on the show and learn more about what you've done People. thank you very much for coming on yeah my pleasure there you go and give us your dot com so we can round those out and get people to check out your and order your book up too yeah 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 you just uh, go to amazon you'll find they ask you answer make sure you get the revised version uh that's me and that's my voice on audible as well marcus sheridan.com and uh, my agency is impactplus.com there you go. And uh, it has a lot of trust factors as well. Almost 700 uh, four-and-a-half-star reviews uh, up there on average. Uh, so very good. It's got the trust uh, review factors that we talked earlier about before. So order of the book, folks, wherever fine books are sold, they ask, you answer, a revolutionary approach to inbound sales, content marketing, and today's digital consumer. Great aspects we talked about today. Uh, thanks for Marcus for coming on the show. Thanks, Modest, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter, of course, and uh, the Chris Foss show over on LinkedIn. We love LinkedIn. It's doing some great things these days. Yeah, check it out LinkedIn. as well. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.